0: Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Louis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Lewis and Ann are speaking with Everett Knight, the Executive Vice President of Strategy and Investments for Valens GrowWorks. Valens is the largest third-party public extractions company in Canada. They work with most of the big licensed producers in Canada, and their business is booming. The company also recently published a study on the future of cannabis in Canada, something that Ann and Lewis dive into and something that you'll definitely want to check out. Don't sit back, lean forward. Now let's talk extraction.
1: So, Anne, I lost badly on your Game of Thrones uh, Death Pool.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people are losing badly.
1: Yeah. I think people are flipping out over what happened in the last episode um, when Daenerys... Like, Lost her shiz. Basically. I I have to tell you, I didn't think it was out of character. I didn't think so I either. Co- I
2: think the, the they've been... And I, I think I come from a different perspective because I've watched only this year. So I, have, I don't have this, like, I've waited for so long and I may have forgotten certain things. Like, you know, I think they've painted her as this person you know, walking this fine line of mental illness <laughs> this whole time, um, and I—I I don't know. I'm not I, and this petition going around. Like, come on, it's a show, and oh, yeah, re- get over relax, it. everyone, relax. It's gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, it's a show, and also, you know, she comes from the Mad King's stock. First of all, and second of all, this is a woman who's been raped and abused and had her husband murdered, had had her unborn child basically ripped out of her. She then gets these other kind of children, dragons, and sees two of them murdered in front of her eyes.
2: First of all, she sees her dragons as kids. Yeah. That's not a sign of something a little wrong?
1: Uh, I'm going to go, yeah, you know? I mean, mother <laughs> of dragons.
2: We're going to get...
1: Oh. This is
2: probably going <laughs> to... This is going to be what actually gets us real hate mail.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it's fine. But the thing is, you may get as much as I do, which is even better.
2: I'm okay with that. Bring it. At A.G. Donahoe. Bring it.
1: (laughs) So, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting, completely not related to Game of Thrones, because this is a cannabis podcast, was um, this week in New York City was the Canaccord Cannabis Conference, and... Holy shit, was this packed. I mean, there must really? have been 500 people at this. And and I've been to these conferences before. You know, every single major session was filled. I mean, 200 people listening to Cush or Acreage or any of the other companies you know presenting. It was amazing. I mean, it was really amazing. And not the same group of you know 150 men and women who are investing in the space, it was, it seemed like there was new money in the room. Now, it's not surprising that there's a lot of money because it's New York City and that's the financial capital of the world, but I was blown away by how how hopping it was.
2: Hmm. I mean, how many were hmm. there like, uh, like, compared to like, I didn't go, I haven't been to either one of these, so. Compared to last year, are we talking like double? I don't know if it was
1: double, but it was a, a good thirty percent more people. Um, and you know, th- it was it had a large swath of the Midtown Marriott right by Grand Central. It was amazing. You know, it was really it was it was amazing. Awesome. The other thing I wanted to talk about was our producer Shay Gunther, um, who we have not added into this pod. Uh, we have to add him in to Skype, um, which, which I will do now. Um, but Shay stayed at my house um, last week, and may have been the easiest and best house guest I've ever had.
2: <laughs> Congratulations, Shay.
1: I mean, Shay Shay literally was the best house guest. We have, you know, I I I made his bed for him. It was a blow up bed. Um, I got up in the morning, ready to make coffee. Shay was not only completely dressed and ready to go, he had folded up the blow up bed and I must've had a couple of dozen people over the 15 years I've lived in my house, stay at my house. He's the first person to ever like pack up the bed. It was so (laughs) Shay, you are welcome to stay at my house anytime you'd like. Um, so we are talking with somebody, you know, we are talking with somebody really cool today. Uh, and why don't you kind of give us a little lead into who we're talking about?
2: Sure. So um, today we're going to be chatting with Everett Knight, who is the EVP of Strategy and Investments for Valence Grow Works. Um, they are one of, they are the largest um, third-party extractor in Canada um, and maybe one of the largest in the world. Um, and he is just, he's an awesome guy. He's super smart. They just put out some really interesting um, data that um, I think will be really cool for our audience to hear. Um, And just, uh, they're just nice people. Um, You know, obviously, they're a client. So, um, you know, but regardless of that, they're just really nice, cool people. So I'm excited to talk to them. Awesome. Well, let's get to it. Everett, welcome to the Green Rush. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing? We're great. Um, so we're really excited to talk to you. We apparently have been on an extraction kick here at the Green Rush. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Shay Aldretti from Gen X on, who was talking about his operation and the extraction market in California. And today we are going to talk north of the border uh, extraction with you guys. So Valens is the largest extractor in Canada. And, um, and have we decided that you're the largest third-party extractor in the world?
3: Yeah. You know, it's for cannabis specific.
2: Okay. Okay. So, so we can say that.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think, I, you know, I, 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 we were just told that the other day that we were the largest, had the largest capacity for a third party manufacturing of a public company, um, in not only in Canada, but around the world now.
2: Well, that's awesome. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about in your own words, what Valence is and what differentiates you guys?
3: Yeah. So, so at, at Valens, uh, we're the, as uh, as you said, like we're the largest extraction uh, company in in Canada and uh, and the largest public extraction company um, in, in the world with capacity. And what we do is we focus on five different types of extraction for cannabis and. And uh, we, we do it for a variety of different clients, some of the largest clients uh, in the world, whether it's Canopy Growth, uh, Tilray, Hexo, uh, the Green Organic Dutchman, Organigram, among other uh, very important clients as well. And uh, we've signed nine publicly announced contracts uh, in Canada um, where we do uh, a tolling, a fee-for-service extraction. And for those of you that aren't familiar with extraction, we basically uh, take uh the dried cannabis or dried hemp or the trim and we turn it into an oil and then we also can put it into a a product and 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 how we've kind of developed is we 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 were only extraction only and now a lot of our customers want us to put in products because so we really started to be the first collab in canada where we're uh, working with our customers to create and manufacture custom products for them. Uh, and this is especially exciting in Canada with edibles and concentrates uh, coming on by October 17th in the regulations of this year in 2019. I think you're gonna see a variety of different products on the on the shelf. So currently we're doing tincture bottles, two-piece caps. And uh, once uh, the other products are available uh, later this year, we're gonna be doing vape pens, cannabis-infused beverages and edibles and kind of being a custom manufacturer for some of the largest uh, producers in the world. So
1: you're not a direct to consumer. You don't have your own brand. You're only uh, white label or, or like back office guys, right? You, you there is no Valens product.
3: Correct. The, no, this is very important because we're, we're completely independent. We're hundred percent third party. Uh, so we do not compete with our customers. We really focus on trying to allow our customers to have the best Products on the shelf and in Canada, it's really tough right now because when you look at the labeling on products it, it, There's a there's a big sign that basically says uh, You're going to 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 you you could die on the pretty much basically says that um, On the label. It's, it's very similar to tobacco here in Canada So it's hard to brand and it really has to come from quality of product.
1: Wait, wait, it says on cannabis products you can die
3: well, you know, you should go look at the label online. I encourage everyone to look at those of you that are listening in the U.S. and haven't seen a Canadian label. But it's very similar to tobacco labeling uh, in Canada uh, for cannabis products. So you only can have your actual symbol um, for, for, for for your actual company and your product name. And that's it. And that's your brand.
2: Well, and uh, Lewis, I'm jumping out of order here, so sorry, but um, you, Everett, you kind of touched on it. You're working with some of the largest players in the industry, and kind of that kind of makes you the Switzerland of the cannabis industry, meaning you work with them all and you wish them all great success. But a lot of these big LPs also have extraction facilities. So are you finding that you're competing with them for more of that business or more complimenting them? Or are you guys frenemies? Or how does that work?
3: No, no no we're we're really a complement to the current services and if you look at most LPs they they want like everyone like everyone saying okay maybe we'll put a CO2 machine in house but we're never going to do an ethanol or hydrocarbon uh type of extraction in house and we offer five different types of extraction so we offer not only co2 supercritical subcritical we offer ethanol extraction hydrocarbon extraction solventless extraction and terpene extraction so i i think it's the variety and and for everyone to get bomb proof rooms in the c1 d1 c1 d2 facilities and actually invest in that it, it takes a lot of money and for our customers they're just saying okay we don't have enough extraction capacity currently in-house, why don't you help us with that today? But then why don't you also complement our services? And there's going to be a big difference in actually extraction quality. I feel like extraction is a theme right now, uh, not only here in Canada, but it seems like around the US, but there's different quality of extraction. And just because you buy a machine off the shelf, doesn't mean you know how to use it to the greatest capabilities of, 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 of the extent. That it could be used and with us we 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 applied for our first license actually in 2012 and uh we've had a ton of experience i like to say our top 10 extraction guys in house have over 100 years of cannabis extraction experience so when you look at the, the, our, our product and quality um, as the market matures, I think you're going to see uh, a, a, a huge difference between us and some of our competitors. And that's why a lot of these LPs are coming out and saying, hey, we, we would love to actually get that full spectrum product. And we'd love to make this custom terpene vape pen that not many people can do today in Canada and use your services accordingly.
1: And you work with lots and lots of, of different companies, some of which, like Anne said, had their own, you know, extraction capabilities, others are, are relying on you specifically. But for the ones that have their own capabilities, do they give you, you know, a recipe and say, okay, Everett, this is what it needs to be. And you meet that? Or how do you make sure that, the, that what you were providing to Canopy, for example, is the same as what they're providing to themselves?
3: Yeah, it's it's a great question. So all of our customers have different needs, and uh, some people come in and say, "This is the exact formulation. We've been working on this in house. Can you guys produce this accordingly?" And and others come to us and say, "Hey, uh, we want capsules," and we're like, "Okay, wh- what type of capsules do you want? To like, do you want organic? Do you want vegan? Uh, like, <laughs> what do you want?" And then and they say, "Okay, well, I don't know." And then we ask them okay, what kind of carry oil do you want in that? Do you want MCT, uh, rice oil, sunflower? Whatever it is, we, we kind of, we, we do it. And some of our clients say, oh, you know what? We don't know. What do you guys recommend? And then that's the custom manufacturing. We say, okay, maybe what are your target markets? And we work with our clients to say, okay, maybe you do a low cost one. And then we do uh, <laughs> an organic and uh, go after more of the, the health market on that front. So, I mean, that's an example of one our clients uh, uh, today. And and I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the discussions that are ongoing. So it really depends uh, on each customer and their specific needs.
1: That's okay. Um, I, I think what you just did though, you know, there is this assumption that oil is oil and extract is extract, and there's no differentiation between, you know, any of this stuff. Like you get a vape pen and, and fundamentally the difference is maybe the terpenes and maybe the flavor or maybe the strain. But I think what you've just walked us through is that not all oil and all extracts are created equal how have you guys developed this this capability to do the five different processes and you know what was the thesis behind
3: creating valens
1: so,
3: so the the history i'll maybe walk you through the history because i think it speaks to the thesis and um our ceo tyler robson um, like, for him, his dad actually had cancer, and uh, he started uh, growing cannabis. His dad got uh, a, one of the, a license in Canada to grow medicinal cannabis, and he started growing it, helping, uh, helping grow it from that standpoint. And what, what, what he really saw is that medical patients in general, uh, they don't want you to smoke it, right? Like, they don't want to smoke it. They want to consume it in different formats. And frankly, I've never met a doctor that wants you to smoke anything. And, and so, so what Tyler did is really spent his time on the formulation side and actually helping these patients uh, get access to uh, non-smoking products. And uh, for, for him, he, 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 when he actually took a full view of the entire market, he really saw this as the future. And, and if, even if you look at the data today, and if you look at 2016, if you look at Cowen's research, um, the market was just under 30 percent oil-based products around the U.S. Now today it's almost 50/50, and where we think that's going is it's going to be 75% oil-based products. If you look at the growth rates in these different areas, so so then the second step is that okay, what products are are the are the consumers actually going after? And uh, and it's really I think the most interesting one today is vape pens. And vape pens, there's not just you said there's not just one vape pen. Everyone's like, oh, I'll just get a vape pen, but what's the flavoring right and and every time you change the terpene profile and actually for those of you that don't know what terpenes are uh terpenes come in natural formats all around and and in the cannabis plant but they're really a flavor uh taste and smell and and what that does you can customize that but every time you change that in your vape pen uh, you actually change the viscosity of the oil and you actually have to customize the bait pen then to be actually able to pull it. So there's a lot more complications and really we've gotten to where we are today is because uh, our CEO Tyler had a vision very early on and we've made a ton of mistakes. Everyone in this industry says they're the best and uh, we really just made a ton of mistakes and learned from our mistakes and uh, and now are creating value added products for the customers and uh, we're getting great feedback on that today.
2: Well, so I'm going to ask a question that I know Lewis would ask, so I'm going to jump ahead of you and say, can you talk about one of the mistakes that was made that you guys were like, I can't believe we did this and, you know, somehow learned from it and applied something totally different for a better outcome?
3: Well, you know what it's, it's, you know, there's so many examples of that, but, uh, like it's, it's one of those things that extraction, everyone's like, okay, you can <laughs> you can actually just buy a machine off the shelf and do it, but but it's a lot more complicated than that. And and when you're actually getting customized the products and and uh, temperatures, it's it's really okay. Temperature and pressure. What's good for CBD? What's good for THC? Uh, what's the decarboxylation process beforehand? What's your actual pre-processing and post-processing? And I think the whole process is it is kind of a, a constant learning curve. And even even now, every day, like like in our budget we're spending a lot of money in R&D because we're at the head of our our, our actual comp- competition around North America and the world in extraction technologies and what we want to do is further invest in that and always get the f- like uh, further invest in products we just got a new, a new <laughs> some new equipment uh from Germany and we got it from California we source parts from all over but we're constantly trying to iterate, increase efficiencies, and obviously increase the quality in product. So I don't think there's I don't think there's any one example. There's so many just to choose from uh, um, through that process.
2: You know, as you're talking about uh, about this, the the level of sophistication that that you know has come with um, with today's extraction and refining methodologies. Um, you know how important does the biomass then really matter? Um, you know, in other words, can you work with anything um, because the 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 level of sophistication is so high on on the extraction methodologies, or does biomass really matter too?
3: It, it definitely matters. So so the biomass, what goes in is what comes out. So garbage in is garbage out. I know that's always a, a popular saying, but we only can extract what's in which what we get. So if if you wanted us to uh, extract Uh, THC in your plant uh, and you had 10% of it, okay, we could get a fair amount out of that. But if you had 1% THC, we can only get a small portion. And especially when you get into these more rare cannabinoids like CBG, CBN, et cetera, um, like some, some, some people, okay, we have a (laughs) 0.1 a point one percent of CBG. That is very tough to do on mass, and it doesn't make economical sense. So we, we do depend on what comes in, and we can obviously uh, optimize kind of our extraction methodologies based on uh, what we're trying to get out of that. But there's only so much what we can do. We actually need it to start in the the first the actual input product itself.
1: Right now, you're you're focused. It, it seems mostly on the medical side, and and you know, as Canada continues to evolve as a rec country or an adult use country, you'll you'll do more in that side. But cannabis as a, a medical, uh, you know, uh, pharmaceutical grade um, type type solution, um, eventually will evolve away from biomass based into biosynthesis how are you guys thinking about biosynthesis because at some point you know it's it's going to be like we don't get aspirin from the bark of a willow tree anymore we're not necessarily going to get cbd or thc from the the plant from the marijuana plant so where are your where are you guys thinking or how are you guys thinking about biosynthesis
3: yeah, I think I think it's a I think it's a great uh, like it's a it's a great topic to discuss because uh, it's, it's really the future of cannabis. And my, my background was uh, in more of the portfolio management side where I actually managed a cannabis fund and uh, I've, I've made investments in particular biosynthesis type companies. Uh, but where, where we where we really see it, I, I think THC and CBD from an economic standpoint today, um, I, I think it's going to be very tough um, to uh, compete uh, with uh, with more of the crops, the actual um, cultivation, especially when you go to these foreign countries and you're growing for low. So biosynthesis, I really see the future in the rare cannabinoids and where people can't get enough. Uh, just like I was saying, there's that CBG was only 0.1%, that CBN was only 0.3%. And and I, I think that's really where the future is. And the brilliant part the part about kind of our position in the industry is that we, we really can source that now. So we're, we're in discussions with uh, lots of biosynthesis companies or biosynthetic companies that we can actually source now. Okay, if you want CBC in that and you guys can't get it, now once this company uh, creates it, we can actually put it in house and, and, and add that to the formulation. So I, th- I think for us, it's really an opportunity, especially on the formulation side, as people get more customized in the effects and impacts of the actual cannabis itself, whether you want sleep, or you want uh, to feel bliss, or you want to feel arousal, or or whatever else kind of you want to do. But it's really the customization of that, and I think that's what we're best in class at.
1: Anne had mentioned uh, the biomass issue, and and you know whenever we talk with anybody who's in the extraction industry, their biggest challenge is actually securing biomass, and there is a dearth right now in Canada of plant how are you guys locking in, you know, your, your, your biomass sources and are you flower trim? I mean, how do you, you know, how do you look at biomass generally?
3: Yeah, we, 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 we kind of rely on our customers and it's whatever they send us. So we, we don't, we don't care what we get. We can do hemp, we can do cannabis, we can do trim, whatever's best for our customers we'll extract in house uh, to their specifications. So, I mean, our model is really signing two to four year contracts so we have the unique thing about our company is we have a lot of visibility in our revenues and EBITDA because of that because we're saying okay this contract has a minimum of 30,000 kilograms the first year uh, 50,000 kilograms the second year right And, and that's what we're doing with clients. So then we have a calendar in-house where we can actually see, okay, this is the shipment we're supposed to get on this date, this is what we're supposed to do with it, and we can actually prepare for that. So as much as everyone calls us a a, a cannabis company, we really view ourselves as a service company with cannabis knowledge, and, and we don't take any of the risk on the front end where we're not growing it. Our customers really get it to us in house. And then we don't take any risk on the back end of actually selling it because we just give them a product that they can actually go to the market for. So we're just trying to allow and help our customers. As far as shortages and 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 uh, kind of the Canadian market as it comes and develops, uh, I think what you're seeing is a huge ramp up. And and if you look at the greenhouses coming online uh, later this year in the back half, I think what you're gonna see is, uh, is a big ramp up in actual cultivation in hemp. Uh, biomass and that's what we're seeing from our customers today even in the first quarter uh, we did 1.8 million grams of, of actually extraction uh, but if you look at the 55 days subsequent to our first quarter end we did almost 5 million grams so you can see the ramp up in the Canadian market it's uh, it's coming and uh, I think it's even going to uh, go, go uh, more rapid in the back half of this year as more cultivation comes online.
2: Um, We talked earlier that, you know, 2018 was obviously transformative for Canada, um, you know, making uh, flour, oil and capsules legal. Um, But almost as soon as, you know, people were celebrating October 2018, people already started preparing for October 2019, uh, which will allow additional products into the market like you alluded to. So. Uh, are, is this ramp up in prepor- in direct preparation for that? Um, and and how are you? Are you just storing it all up? Like how how does that work? Like you know, is it Do gonna these, are like, the floodgates of oil <laughs> or like, like gummy like- bears just sitting there waiting? <laughs> like what does that look like?
3: It- yeah, so I, right now all of our customers are, are starting to prepare for the edibles market. So if you look at everyone's everyone's getting to a distillate stage or winterized oil stage where they can actually uh, base that and put that into either cannabis infused beverage and edible. So I think what you're going to see is that further ramp up and people are ready because the regulations haven't come out yet. So everyone's waiting on what they can actually make and trying to customize their equipment to have flexibility. Um, and and once we see those regulations, then once this the, you kind of ramp up and actually have the oil in-house you can actually then create the product so I think what's happening right now is everyone's preparing for it and uh, all the vaults are getting will become more and more full is is what I think in the back half of the year with oil-based products so that once these come online, uh, they, they can come to market with whatever uh, experience they want and, and we can help them with that.
1: But I'm just picturing like Scrooge McDuck sitting in the back there going, I've got all the oil, it's mine, mine. No, you
2: know what you. I'm picturing is, and I, we're definitely watching too much Game of Thrones, but like preparing for, for the, the battle with the Night King and getting all the Dragon Glass ready and yes. just like preparing for that moment and kind of just waiting with bated breath. So, okay, we're nerds and we're moving on.
3: Um, <laughs> well, well, we're hoping there's no dragons or battle. Uh, <laughs> come on. Uh, oh,
2: yeah. Oh, for sure. So you got. I want to talk about the study a little bit, unless Lewis, you wanted to take, did you have something no. else you wanted no. to? No, no,
1: no, no. But I have to tell you, Everett, I have to apologize. Anne and I have been doing this for like 85 episodes. In the first like 10, we used to step on each other all the time. And then we got into this really good groove of like 70 where we didn't step on each other once. And today, I don't know what it is, man, but we are all all in each other's face.
2: And It's raining in L.A. That's what it is. So, um, I, so you guys came out with a really interesting study um, called "The Future of uh, Cannabis in Canada," and we just did a webinar uh, talking about some of the findings, which we'll definitely stick into the show notes here. Uh, but why did you guys decide to do this study?
3: Yeah, I think it's very important for companies like ours and every stakeholder in this cannabis industry uh, to invest in data because it's such a brand new industry. Everyone's got to realize we're still in the second inning of a long-term growth industry, uh, especially on the extraction and formulation front. And, and, And for us, it's very important to invest in data. And this was the largest study Um, And it was actually happened two months after legalization. So it was the first study that and the largest actually uh, sample size to get a real kind of what's happening. What are Canadians thinking? And it's important for our customers as they actually formulate their products and pick their target markets. Uh, But it's important for the whole cannabis industry as we kind of push forward and invest in data because that's how you know the future. So when a customer comes to us and asks us, hey what should i be making right we, we we're producing all this oil through you guys should we do tincture bottles should we do vape pens what should we produce with you guys and we can direct them say okay this is the data we're seeing today and and this is where this market is and we think you should do this and and we can help them and it's based on their strategy everyone has a different target market they're going after and everything else but for us it's just trying to be that uh be that middleman to help them have the best product on the shelf
1: i i I love this industry and, you know, as somebody who is a consumer, um, I'm always looking for the next cool new thing um, and innovation for any industry. It's, it's the life's blood of, of what moves it forward. But it seems like for cannabis, from a product perspective, there hasn't really been a lot of like new Right, Sure, there's like live resin or shatter, but that's all basically, you know, syncopation off of the same theme of good extraction. You like that, huh? We're
2: all going to have to look that up, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, You guys are like, the way I
1: think of you, you're almost like the BASF of cannabis, right? Like you make the products that are better. From an innovation perspective, are there form factors or things that you guys are thinking about or – either designing and are bringing to your clients or being asked to, to fulfill that, that we should be looking forward to seeing in the next 18 months. And if not, are you talking to your clients about getting up off their asses and thinking more creatively than just we'll do a gummy bear and a gummy worm?
3: I, well, I, I, tell you what products we're coming up with, but then I'd have to kill you. So <laughs> no, I, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> please don't kill me. No, no, no. I, I I, uh, I I think that for customers, like there is some really cool ideas happening, and uh, I can't get into any of the details, but you will see them on the shelf. But I think there is a lot of creative ideas coming that people should look out for. So <laughs> I won't. I, I think you should just keep an eye out for it. But what I will say is, I think it's going to start more generic overall, is kind of big picture, uh, a thousand a thousand foot level. Like I mean, uh, y- you know, you you're looking down at this industry. This is we're first, this is our first shot at legalizing edibles, right? So what goes on the shelf? I think everyone's just going to try to get product on the shelf. And then if you look at the back half of really 2020, I think you're really going to see the products and cool products come out as we get to know the regulations and people can actually invest in their manufacturing lines because people don't realize how much it takes to say, okay, we're going to invest uh, in this vape pen line, or we're going to make this uh, uh, bottling line, or we're going to make this uh, uh, um, kind of Edible line, and and that all takes time and money, and and people. Uh, there's a lot of people that are saying, "Okay, I think I know what's there, but they're hesitant to really invest it on a large scale today."
1: Well, Can- Canopy's relationship with Constellation, everybody's been thinking is going to result in this, you know, explosion of food product and and drinks and and you know, because of the restriction, you know, Canopy regardless of what their relationship now with acreage is they, they you know they're not able to take advantage of the the free market here in the US in states like Colorado and Nevada and California where you can basically do whatever the hell you want but constellation has all of this amazing you know R&D on drinks and on food do you think that we're going to start to see some of that percolate up into Canada you know in October Um, and I, and if that's given away
3: the farm, then you're going to have to kill me again. Yeah. That was probably a bad analogy, but, uh, no, I, I, I think you definitely will see that. Like even, even working with ingredient houses and actually formulating, um, I think this industry is still in the beginning innings. I think we see more of that than a lot of different people of saying, okay, what ingredient house do you use? Right? Like, whoa, do you have specific formulations that you want to bring into this industry? And there's very sophisticated players like constellations and others that already have those and they are getting ready. And, uh, I think, uh, I think people will be surprised at some of the cool products on the shelf, uh, coming online, uh, going into edibles and concentrates.
2: Hmm. They have to come back then.
3: Yes, please. And, <laughs> and
1: samples, samples travel well.
2: Not across borders though. Again,
1: Louis. <laughs> <Lewis>. uh, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get shot. There's, I'm there's, trying like, to keep you clearly... out of jail, dude. All right, fine. <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about your personal cannabis journey? Uh you know, ours, Ann and I have talked now for for a couple of years publicly about how we both have come to the to to use the plant and how we came to be involved in the industry.
3: What about you? It, yeah, so my, my journey really started six and a half years ago when I was managing a small cap fund and uh uh I, I really saw the firsthand benefits of medicinal cannabis uh in in family and friends. And uh uh, I, I kind of realized I, I wasn't smart enough to know it was going to be legalized so quickly. <laughs> that was that. I assure you, it was all luck. But uh, I, what I really believed is in the medicinal aspects of this product. So um, we we ended up uh, being one of the first mutual funds, and uh, the fund I managed to actually uh, invest in the space. And then we actually had a doctor client that came to us and said, "Hey, we want I want more exposure to the cannabis space." And frankly, we wanted more exposure ourselves. So we we, uh, we created the first. Uh, long-only institutional cannabis mandate in Canada uh, at the time. And uh, then we kind of grew the team and rounded up uh, and launched a private equity fund as well. Um, But really through that period, I got to tour Uh, 85-plus facilities, and now I'm over 100 facilities today, uh, cannabis facilities uh, across Canada and the world. And we had over 1,200 companies in our universe um, through this time frame. So it was really, for me, it was really in the last year and a half to two years that... My interest really went to the ancillary businesses because when you look at EBITDA margin and uh, gross margins and EBITDA stability, I came fascinated with the extraction and formulation and product development um, side of things. And uh, because if you look at a lot of the companies in the space, not only do they have EBITDA stability, but they have the highest margins and. I think it's really the future of the industry from my perspective when I see the medicinal side going more to the oil-based, I see the recreational side going more to the oil-based. So I toured facilities across California, Washington, Colorado, uh, and in Canada, and I came across Valens. And I saw what they were doing and saw how much farther ahead they were than everyone else and the proprietary technology and the team that was there. And uh, I actually ended up being one of the largest institutional shareholders uh, of Valens uh, and getting really close to the story. And I I guess I liked it too much because I actually I joined the company uh, as of January 1st as Executive Vice President of Strategy Investments uh, here in 2019.
1: So it's like the... the, uh the men's warehouse not only do i own the place i'm its best customer
2: no it's hair club
1: oh i wasn't going to say that because i don't know <laughs> how was your hair do you have a thick Everett luxurious has a lovely head, of hair? head of
2: hair from his photo from his bio okay
1: <laughs> i i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna make any aspersions on whether he was bald
3: or not so it, it just depends on what day uh then
2: <laughs> depends how the stock's doing right yeah well, let's 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 talk. can we talk about the capital
1: markets? Um, you know as a, as as an executive in a public company, has there been things that, about the capital markets that have surprised you,
3: disappointed you, frustrated you? yeah, i think I think that everyone's still learning, right? so I, I think from a capital market standpoint, uh, um, it Canada's been a great place to actually be. Uh, at the forefront of the capital for this industry where you can raise uh, capital. And I think investors, not only in Canada now and around the world, are finally seeing um, that we are in the second inning and this is gonna be a legitimate industry and it's gonna be a gigantic industry uh, worldwide where I've seen estimates of $180 billion uh, medical market around uh, annually around the whole world, right? And and I think people are starting to realize that. But the the information still you, everyone needs to be careful with the information because since it's such a brand new industry, the learning curve to get up. I, I mean, I joke around with everyone, but I like I only started investing in this industry five and a half years ago. And everyone's like, oh, well, Everett's a a grandfather. You're a veteran. In in cannabis. (laughs) And and it's funny to joke around about, but it's true. Like, people weren't investing in it until the last few years. And and I I think the knowledge and the learning curve is a big one. Just like oil and gas or technology, uh, people need to get informed. And when people come up with new technologies or everyone says they're the best and the differentiation, it's very tough for investors today. And and I think that, uh, for me, I, I mean, I'm biased. I was a portfolio manager. So I would always say get, get financial advice when you're looking at these opportunities uh, and uh, someone that's actually doing due diligence and hard work. Uh, but it's also been a great spot for people to launch forward into the industry and get enough capital, not only to become just a Canadian name, but a global uh, cannabis company like ourselves.
1: And just as a reminder, we're talking with Everett Knight from Valens Grow Works. A couple of weeks ago, KCSA released a, a survey that we did of, of investors. You know, we talked to, you know, where well, we asked thousands of people and we got a couple hundred responses about their exposure to the capital markets. And one of the things that blew me away was for U.S. retail investors, 50% of them, 50% of them have um, sold other equities, whether it be General Motors or General Mills, to to buy cannabis company stocks. Um, Have you guys seen an awareness and an acceptance of your company and other companies like yours listed in Canada amongst U.S. retail investors?
3: For sure. I I think the U.S. uh, investor market is uh, developing quite rapidly. Um, I think there's more and more marketing trips, more and more people you're seeing actually as shareholders of the companies in the U.S., especially as people list on the NASDAQ and get OTC uh, listings. It's just developing further, and, and they're getting more educated very quickly. And I know it was constrained to invest. A lot of the banks wouldn't allow it or still don't allow it. And it's still a tough Way to invest but a lot of investors now are finding ways to invest in the cannabis industry and i, th- I think that's only going to develop uh uh going forward and and again i think this is like i mean from, from my background i like from my standpoint again everyone please consult the financial advisor but i think this is one of the best growth industries we will ever see in our lifetime and, and it's really rare um, for, for people to actually see it start in the second inning and be able to invest in it and see it grow alongside you, not only uh, in Canada or the U.S., but globally. And I think a lot of the retail investors in the U.S. now see that, and I think more and more investors around the world are seeing that today.
2: It's still crazy to me how, um, I mean, we are in this business all day long, every day, um, but still, you know, how much education still needs to happen. I mean, there are people who call me family members or friends who know that I'm in the industry and are asking me for like stock tips. And I'm like, I'm not that person. Talk to your financial advisor. And they're like, I, I have, and they don't know. Um, so it's just such a, a huge opportunity out there for companies like yours to, to really, you know, educate these, you know, these influencers for people's money, um, to be very rudimentary about it, I guess. But, um, so uh, to pivot a little bit back to, back to Valence Grow Works. So you guys also do a podcast called Extracted. Um, and I, I, this kind of goes hand in hand with the study that you're doing and you're really investing in yourselves and investing in the space and investing in the education side of it. Can you talk about uh, why you guys wanted to to make a podcast. You're so busy in the day-to-day, um, you know, and you found it this important to kind of carve out that space and that time to to put this piece of content out there. Why did you guys decide to do that?
3: Well, you, we have a unique position in the industry where we don't compete with anyone. And we're really a service provider. And And I think for us, the podcast really came about Uh, Because we wanted to show off uh, uh, our our customers, first of all, but show off leaders in the industry and push this industry forward because uh, I think as a big company, everyone is getting in this industry and they they think, okay, there's a lot of money to make, everyone can do this, but we have an obligation uh, to actually have data and to put experts in, and to create a knowledge base, even like the investors I was talking about, uh, that people aren't informed yet. It's just a way for people to get more involved in the industry. And for us, it gives us a unique opportunity to show off some of the fantastic customers that we have and the, some of the fantastic people in this industry because there's a lot of uh, people that are paving the way in new aspects, whether it's technology behind the industry, it's cultivation, it, it's it's... It's, it's different extraction technologies. And and what, what, what the best part about us is that being a service company, we can showcase all of those in one spot. So that's really the point of the overall podcast.
1: Okay. I think we are just about at the end of our time with you. Um, we want to be respectful, and this has been really fascinating. Um, and we ask everybody at the end um, pretty much the same question. If you woke up tomorrow and you – we're reading the Globe and Mail or the Wall Street Journal. What's the one story that you think that they haven't covered generally, and it could be about you guys, but more more broadly about the industry um, that they're missing? Like, what's the one story that you think the media just isn't paying attention to?
3: I think everyone's underestimating the formulation. And product development angle of this industry, yeah. and 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 I, I think I think that in the customization of experiences. So today, there's some great brands even in the U.S. where it's saying, okay, on your vape pen, you show uh, sleep, right? Or or someone says this product uh, creates arousal or whatever else. But the formulations we're really customizing formulations, and even my my analogy in this is is usually you can have a 15% THE. Um, uh, uh, um, cannabis and then 25% THC cannabis. And you think that you're gonna get higher or feel more high <laughs> on, on the 25%. But if you add specific terpenes uh, and different con- uh, combination of cannabinoids, you can actually feel more high on the 15% strain. So what we're recognizing today is that th- the combination will actually build the customization of experiences. And uh, we're working with a lot of our customers on that front and and to build the, <laughs> the not only the flavor profiles that everyone thinks about in these things, but also the customization of the actual feeling that everyone's doing. And I think people underestimate the ability. We're still in the beginning innings of research in this industry and uh, medicinal studies are still coming up. But I think people underestimate that and research is really going to drive it and, and consumer kind of overall observation. Uh, but I think it's one area of the industry um, that I think is very industry or interesting and brands will differentiate themselves based on experiences. And I think that's the most important takeaway. And we're really excited to be a part of that with our customers.
2: I have one more, so sorry, we lied. Um, and I actually have one after you too. (laughs) So we're just big liars, Everett. So, um, Are you getting a lot of companies coming to you for other cannabinoids other than CBD and THC? You've mentioned that before, but I'm just wondering what percentage of that is your business versus people coming and saying, I just need straight THC or straight CBD?
3: yeah i I think it's still in the early innings like some of our customers are are looking into that but it's still i think everyone on the market today is like i want cbd and i want thc but there's 140 different cannabinoids in this plant and 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 our customers are like being some of the largest in in the world they are becoming uh way more sophisticated on this front and and actually trying to formulate and customize uh I, i think majority Of what's happening and will happen in the next few years will be CBD and THC. But when you look at the future in the next two to five years, I think it's really going to shift into that customization.
1: You talked about brands. How are you seeing brands in Canada differentiate themselves given the restrictive nature around packaging, around marketing? How are they doing it?
3: Yeah, I think I think everyone's doing it in a different way, but uh, it, it it really comes down to to the actual consumer experience and quality of product in Canada. Like like I said at the beginning, like the, these labels when when you have a label on a bottle that's like, "Oh, you may die if you take this." It kind of scares people off and you can't put like your yeah, uh, your pink, uh, your pink label on it, or or like a a celebrity on the front of the bottle. You really have to do it by product quality, and and I think people are trying to come up with creative names, and they're doing a great job of kind of what they can do uh, in the current regulations. But the bottom line, I think the biggest differentiator today is quality of product, and if you read the reviews, I, I think that really has been driving the sales, and I think we'll continue to drive the sales going forward.
2: Awesome. That was great. Thanks, Everett. Well,
3: thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Our thanks again to Everett Knight from Valens Growworks. Check them out at valensgrowworks.com. That's V-A-L-E-N-S-G-R-O-W-W-O-R-K-S.com. Check them also out on Twitter at Growworks. As always, if you want to chat with us or send us mean things about Game of Thrones, you can reach us on Twitter at the underscore greenrush, uh, and on Instagram. At the green rush underscore podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to email us greenrush at kcsa.com. One take, Shay. One take.
1: Dracaris. Dracaris. <laughs> <laughs>